Mama, stop talking so I can go. <laughs> How is everybody doing this morning? Great to have you here, and welcome to all you that are watching this morning via the internet, because, you know, we had crazy storms yesterday, and people have things going on right now because of it. Father, we just bless everyone watching. We bless everyone that's here. Father, that you would bless them, and you would keep them where they are right now and what they're doing. Stir up their heart. Restore vision unto them. Give them your peace right now, even as we pray for them. We thank you, Lord, that they are blessed anyways where they are right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue on in our series this morning. I think it's a, it's a great, great morning to be preaching on the believer's authority because you had great opportunity yesterday to exercise authority in your situations in your life. You know, we got hit with a major storm. When I was, I was uh, having a late lunch, I was, got back from the church doing some things, and I made some lunch, and it was later in the afternoon, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there, and the, the power goes out, and I look outside, and it's like perfectly sunny. It's like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and so I come outside, and you could see it coming down the road, just stirring up all the wind out of the field, dirt out of the fields and blowing it down. And I was like, okay, we, need, we are going to have to speak to this. I turn, and Robin and Harrison are already like, we thank you, Lord. We're protected in every area, and that nothing in our, house, in our property is going to be harmed. And I'm like, okay, we're good then. And that was exactly what it was. No, nothing, hap nothing happened to us. There was even, we've had this tree that's been lay laying against our internet lines for like a month and a half, two months now. It's already broken off in the center, leaning on it. And I was just like, that wind is really pushing on it hard. But they had already prayed. And you would think of all the things that are going to fall is a tree that's already broken in half, leaning on the lines. And I was like, I need my internet, <laughs> you know? I, uh, that's something I'm not willing to live without right now. And uh, no, God protected us and kept us. And it was an opportunity for you to exercise your authority over your things. Come on, you can't, don't have authority over other people's things. You don't have authority over their lives. You can pray for them. But when it comes to your stuff, God has given you authority so that you can stand up just like he did in the storm. You know, he was asleep in the boat and the storm came up. And what did the disciples do? They, they were freaking out. And they woke up Jesus and said, don't you care that we're dying? And he just got up and said, peace, be still. That same authority that Jesus operated out of in that moment is the same authority he's delegated to you. When he said, all power and all authority has been given unto me, now you take it and you go. You know, we can't be responsible for everybody else, but we can have a relationship with God ourselves, right? We can have a strong understanding of the authority that's been given unto us. You know, as we were singing, I was thinking of a story we read a, a month or two ago on our Friday morning prayer with the men's, and I'll share it with you because obviously you, most of you weren't there. And we were reading a story Brother Hagin was telling about his good friend's Ma and Pa Goodwin. And uh, years and years ago, this would probably be in the 40s, um, Ma Goodwin was woken up in the middle of the night, and she just had this burden on her heart that she needed to pray. And so she, she's like, she was trying to be quiet while she was praying, and then she ended up waking up Pa Goodwin beside her, and he's like, what's going on? He says, well, I've got a burden to pray. And he's like, okay, let, let's pray. And, you know, he's kind of praying along with her, and, like, oh, I think we're good, and they went to sleep, and then she's like, no, that wasn't it, and she got back up and started praying and woke him up again, and then it happened three times, and finally on the third time, he said, 
why don't we get out of bed and pray? <laughs> it's like, stop waking me up. Let's be done with that. And he said it was, a, it was 4 o'clock in the morning. And he said, said to Ma Goodwin, he said, let's agree right now. She, she, he said, well, first off, what are you sensing? And she said, somebody in our church is in danger. And they're like, well, so-and-so is traveling and so-and-so is out of town and we should pray for them. He's like, she's like, no, that, that, that we can pray for them, but that doesn't seem like it's it. And so at 4 o'clock in the morning, he said, well, let's agree right now together. Remember, we've been talking the last few weeks that if two of you agree on touching anything on earth, it shall be done. Let's agree that whoever's life is in danger, that God will give them a dream or a vision right now. That will tell them what to do and what not to do. And she said, that seems good to me in my heart. So they did that, and they got back into bed and went to sleep. And so obviously because they were up most of the night praying before they finally had that sought God's wisdom in how to pray, I think that's an important part. Let's just stop there for a second. Sometimes we just say, oh, pray about it. No, ask God how you should pray about it. And he'll give you the wisdom of how you should speak, how you should pray, and what you should believe for. You know, when people come to me and they're like, oh, I've got this going on in my life. Can you pray with me? My first question is usually, what are you believing for? Because I can agree with you, but I can't pray for you. And so you find out what their, where their faith is at. Especially when people are sick, sometimes their faith is in, I'm going to go have the surgery, and it's going to come out fine. So me believing for supernatural restoration and no surgery needed is not good because that's not where their faith is at. We come into agreement where they are at. Now, could they believe bigger? Of course. But you work with people where they are, and you help them grow their faith. So there's no, there's no condemnation on either end of it. You believe with people where they're at. And so they found out how to pray, and they prayed. And they went back to sleep, and they slept in later that morning because they were up all night. And uh, I think it was like 7 or 8 in the morning, uh, they got a call, and they were still sleeping. And so they got up, and they're like, Pastor Goodwin, Pastor Goodwin, you won't believe what just has happened. And it was their Sunday school superintendent who was an oil rig roughneck. And uh, he was out in the oil fields that day, and when they got to the, the drill that they were working on, uh, the guy who usually climbs the tower was not there. And so the foreman said to him, you climb the tower and secure those wires today. And he got started walking up, and he got about 14 rungs up, and then he came back down, and and the foreman said, what are you doing? I told you to get up there and secure those wires. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Because this morning, at 4 o'clock in the morning, the exact same time that they believed God give them a vision or a dream, he was woken up with a dream. And in that dream, he, uh, he saw himself climbing up the oil rig. And after he was up there for a few minutes, a line snapped and chopped his head off. And he saw his own head fall to the ground. And he said to the foreman, he's like, he told, told him exactly that story. And he said, I'm not going up the tower. And the foreman's like, well, somebody's got to go. And another man who was from a regular, just a denominational church, he's like, well, I'm not superstitious. I'll go up there. And he climbed up, and within five minutes, the wire snapped and chopped the guy's head off. And so what we're saying is you can't believe for everybody he knew. He knew what was in his heart. He said, I will not do it. God's already given me the wisdom that knows don't do that. This other person who should have known better, should have. they're a believer too. They have authority. Heard exactly what he thought was going to happen and said, no, 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 that's okay. 
don't override those inward, uh, those inward witness of it's not right. Don't do it. And obviously when that man, even after that dream, got there, he thought, well, maybe I'll do it. And he started up the tower and then said, no, don't do it, and went back down. Don't override those things. We're talking about learning the authority and the power that's been given to you. This, this is a perfect day to talk about authority because you had an opportunity to speak. And there's people that had lost things, like John was saying, you know, the, the gas station right by his house was completely destroyed, but his house was perfectly still. And where were you, John? John was in his driveway, and he said, no, nothing's going to happen to my property. And he said, and the wind hit his face. And he was just like, wow, that's really strong. And obviously there was destruction in his neighborhood, but not in his place. That's the authority that we have as believers, even in natural things like that. We like to think of our Christian life as only touching spiritual things. No, the storm was a physical thing for Jesus, and he still calmed it. The blindness was a physical thing that somebody had, Jesus healed it. You know, the things of God will touch this natural realm. They don't have to be reserved for us just in heaven. Come on. I wasn't planning on talking about any of that this morning, but hey, I don't want to apologize for it. The last few weeks, four weeks, we've been talking about hope. And it's just been such an odd, odd thing for me to teach with the believer's authority. But we need to be able to act in hope, to be able to see beyond right where we're going. It's just like yesterday, anybody could look at the storm and be like, that's a wild one. But for, it's another thing to stand forward and say, not my house, not my trees. Not my things. You need to be able to see yourself beyond where you're all right now. And hope thrives in the face of adversity. Doesn't matter what's going on. That's where hope does its best work. You don't need hope when things are going well because they're already going well. Hope lives in the realm where you're looking. It's like, wow, I don't like that. Learning to be able to have a confident expectation of good things to come in spite of the storm, in spite of the trouble. And every story of hope begins with an obstacle. And every good story that we love in the Bible started with a problem. And it walked through of them being able to have vision beyond where they are and standing in victory. And so we've been called to victory. You know, as 1 Corinthians 15, we read it last week, that he always leads us into victory. But then he says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, and immovable, meaning that things are going to try and move you, go ahead and plant your feet and say, no, that's not for me. And so when I preached that message last week, I want to be very specific about this. I did not preach it for you to be problem conscious. I didn't get, preach it for you to be situational conscious. I preached it so that you can be victory conscious. Because I've seen so many times over the years, people, as soon as the problem pops up, they're like, oh, am I out of the will of God? Or, oh, what am I going to do? No, you need to have victory consciousness on the inside of you that whatever it is, doesn't matter who gets in your face, how big the problem is, you get to stand in victory at the end. And right now you may be at the start of your new story of hope. Don't give up hope. Don't despair. Go ahead and step out in faith once again. And you say, well, Pastor Jordan, I did that, and it didn't work out like I thought it did last time. That's okay. Hope again. Believe again. Let yourself grow and stretch your muscles. 
And so it's not that we need to be problem conscious. We need to be Jesus conscious. And Jesus is victory. Amen? Jesus himself said this. He said, these things I've spoken to you that in me, everybody say in me, not in you, in him. In him, you may have peace. And in this world, you will have tribulation. And that word means troubles or problems or situations. But he says, but be of good cheer. So problem, stick the butt in the right spot. I'm going to go ahead and be in cheer. I'm going to go ahead and celebrate even in spite of the problem because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Whatever the problem, he's already overcome. Go ahead and walk through the process with him and stand in victory on the other side with him. Amen? James said something very similar. He said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it joy. Go ahead and celebrate. Not celebrate the problem. Go ahead and celebrate the victory you're going to be walking into. Come on. You know, I already brought up the Goodwins this morning. You know, they, they, they were an interesting couple. And they used to do something funny. When there was a, a problem would come up, it seemed like Paul Goodwin's way of working things out. He's like, I'm going to the church, and I'm going to go pray at the altar. And, or sorry, Ma Goodwin would go to the church and at the altar. And Paul Goodwin, his thing was he would go up behind the bar, and he'd burn, and he would dance. He would just go ahead and dance until he felt like, yep, it's done. And he said, Ma would pray until she felt it was done, and he would dance until he felt it good. And they always met themselves. She'd be coming down the laneway from the church, and he'd be coming out from behind the back. Because it's the same Holy Spirit. When they felt that release like it was over, they're like, okay, I can stop dancing. I'm going I'm to go into the house, and there's Ma. She's felt in prayer. It's done. It's done. And so you count it all joy, not because of the problem. You count it all joy because you get to walk out the process with Jesus. Come on. It's not in your strength and it's not in your ability. It's firmly founded, anchored on the hope that you have in Jesus. And so he says, count it joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Produces patience. Learning to hold on. Come on. Learning to hold on. You know, we, we often recognize the lack of patience in children, right? You know, when, I, when I'm making supper, I'm pretty sure two of the four every time come and go like, when's supper ready? Just a few more minutes, hold on. And then they open the drawer and they're like, well, I'm going to make myself a sandwich. I'm like, no, hold on, have patience. Don't circumvent the process, supper will be ready. Don't circumvent the process. You're walking into victory. Don't try and take it back into your own strength and say, I'll make myself a sandwich. You know, I'm going to try and make it, work it out on my own, God. You're taking too long. I'm sure you just need a little bit more help from me. No, he says that the testing of your faith produces patience. And he says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing so at the end of the journey is him perfecting you completing the work and you end up lacking nothing and isn't that the opposite feeling of the problem 
Because when the problem hits, we're like, oh no, what am I going to do? I don't have enough money to do this, or I just don't have enough strength to do that. We look at what we're missing, but at the end of the process, nothing's missing. That's the provision of God. People have gotten it so messed up thinking that, oh, it's me having 500 million in the bank so that I never have to believe again. No, that's garbage. God will provide for you what you need in the moment. Every day you get to believe him. And he'll always be more than enough in that situation. But you've got to walk through the process. And you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. So whatever the problem, there's still a victory coming. Walk the process and let patience have its perfect work. What Paul said to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, he said, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. He didn't say we know that all, all things look good. He said all things work together for good, meaning that you'll start situations where it doesn't look good, but it can be worked out for your good. Now, when we say that, though, a lot of people get the idea that, oh, God's putting something in my path to stretch me or to increase me or to teach me something. No, God doesn't need to take something bad to grow you. The world already has enough bad that he'll walk you through and grow you with that. Yeah. Very, very important statement that you need to get drilled into your head. You ready for it? Good God, bad devil. Can we say it again? Good God, bad devil. And no, they don't work together. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. He said, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Very opposite ends of the spectrum. Don't accuse God of the garbage that's going on in this world. That's why I said last week, that the, the idea that Christians say, oh, God's in control. No, if he is, he's a monster. If God is in control, he's a monster. Look at the poverty. Look at the people starving. Look at the world. No, it's not that God's in control. He actually left it to you. Me. All authority has been given unto me. Therefore, you go. And so we can't say, God, God, you're in control when he's told you to do something. And I told you a while back, I'm not a fan of the song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Because if you take your hands off the wheel, you're going to crash. You're in the driver's seat, you drive the car. And if he tells you to turn, you turn. And so we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his promise, purpose, but God's not going to be the one that's throwing problems in your way. He's going to be the one that's going to be bringing you through them, bringing you over them, leading you into victory. Because we were just in James, and he said, count it all joy, and then let that process be worked out where you'll be perfect, complete, wanting nothing. You know what he also says just a few verses later? He says, let no one say when he is tempted or tested or tried, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And so let's just go ahead and say this. 
you may have created the problem you're standing in right now. But that's okay. He'll still lead you through it into victory. He will grow you. He will teach you. He will strengthen you. He will stretch you. And victory can still be yours, even if you cause the problem. That's his mercy. That's his forgiveness. Where he says, oh yeah, little child, not good, but it's okay. It can still be good. Come on. So let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I like how the message translation says it, though. It says, let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. In the midst of the process, you're growing, and you're maturing. And if you don't know what the next step is, we know the end is victory, but what do you do right now? And if you don't know what that is, it's so great, James didn't end there. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given. So not only does he give wisdom, he gives excess wisdom, liberal wisdom, overflowing, abundant wisdom about what to do. And so if the problem is there, we know there's a process, the process ends in victory, what do you do now? Ask. God, I need some wisdom right now. What would be the best way to do? How should I face this situation? How would you have me to pray? What should I believe right now? And he lets you know. You know, the process of learning to hope again and to stand in faith again is kind of like raising a child. You know, if you're a parent or you've been around a kid, maybe your siblings have kids or it doesn't matter, everybody's seen a child, we know that there's different levels of development, Right? When the kid first comes out, it's 100% dependent on you. You know, you feed it, you clean it, it doesn't do much but eat and poop. Come on, that's, that's the first stage. It's just kind of looking around at its life and just absorbing things like a sponge while you do things. You know, the start of our Christianity is very much the same way. We give our hearts to Jesus, we become new creations in Christ Jesus, but we really don't know anything, right? And God works with us very strongly in those early days, and people will pray with you and believe with you, and you'll see miracles in your early days, and then as pe people are Christians longer, they're like, why don't I see the miracles like I used to? Because you weren't supposed to stay in the baby stage. Maybe Pastor Wendy prayed with you and you saw something amazing happen. It's like now you've seen it done. Now you get to believe. Go believe with others. And so we have that baby stage where we're just like God is working strongly on our behalf. But then there's the stage where the baby starts to learn how to move its head, right? And it's strengthening those muscles. And you put it down on tummy time and what's it doing? <laughs> What is it doing? It's working through the process and strengthening the abilities that it's going to need for the next stage. And then it starts to do this. You know? What's it doing? It's working on the leg muscles. It's getting that butt up. And before you know it, that kid's 
crawling around. And it has, it has the ability to move surprisingly fast in those that stage. It's like, get back here. The stairs are open, you know. But what happens? The next stage comes. And that's the stage where they're pulling themselves up on things. And what are they doing? Why? Because they're in a new stage of development called balance. And so many Christians lack balance. They've never learned the idea of balance, which is why Paul had to write some things in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where he says, all things are lawful to you, but not all things are expedient. Don't be brought under the power of any. And so when we talk about the message of grace, people are like, oh yeah, I can do whatever I want. Yes and no. And we, when we preach the message of grace, we don't always like how some people respond, but they're doing what's actually been in their heart the whole time. They've just been hiding it. And God's not just about letting you do what you want to do. He wants to transform your heart so that what you want to do changes. So they get into that stage of balance. But then they get that strength and they pull up and they're just like standing here looking around. What comes the next one? Walking. Right? And through all of these different stages, different things are developing. But who is there the whole time to guide them? To parent. Who is there to guide you right now, wherever you are in the process? God, who gives you wisdom. And the thing is, though, not facing an obstacle doesn't make it go away. It just prolongs the length of time you'll have to work yourself through it. Now, in, in my house, the four boys, Harrison was the quickest to get to the walking stage. He was just like, he had all of mommy and daddy's attention. We would sit up in the night and just be like, okay, Harrison, walk. Walk to mama and back and forth. And so like eight, nine months, he was up walking and he was doing great at it. Uh, Montgomery had three older brothers who doted on him still to this day. Oh, you need that gummy? You know, what do you want? And they did everything for him, even still the same way today. He, he got off the bus on Thursday, and he's like, Daddy, take my backpack. It's too heavy. I'm like, you carry your own backpack. And Harrison's like, oh, I'll take a gummy. I'll take it. I'm like, oh, you're a nice big brother. But for that... It prolonged Montgomery's walking stage. He didn't walk until like 14, 15 months, almost double the time of Harrison, because he wasn't going to face the process of working it out. And so it, he still had to face it, but it prolonged the time. And so hiding from problems doesn't make them go away. Standing in hope and strengthening your muscles of faith, that faces the problem. That grows you. And you'll be able to face things today that you couldn't have faced five years ago. After you've been through the process and he's been maturing you, he's been building you up. Now get, get this straight. When you're born again, you are the fullness of God, just like the Bible says. You are, have all the faith you'll ever need. You'll have all the ability to believe that you'll ever need but you just don't always know how to do it. As we walk through the process, it's called renewing our mind. Getting our own heads and our own way out of the way. 
And so in the end, problems shouldn't cause us to fear, to worry, to bend, or to break. Problems should be like, I've got another opportunity to believe God. I've got another opportunity to grow and be strengthened, and I'm going to come out the other side of this better than when I went in, and it's going to be good when I get there, but I'm going to trust the process, and I'm going to go through. And so when we want to live in a life for, that a lot of Word of Faith people do, and I, I pick on myself because I am one of them, we, we sit back and be like, oh, why is there a problem? I thought it was supposed to be all good all the time. No. Jesus never said that. It'll never be good all the time until you go into heaven. But doesn't mean you can't walk into victory in a way that you've never walked in in the past. And he takes us from glory to glory. So hope thrives in the face of adversity. And I wanted to take, I thought we were done with hope, but I wanted to just wrap it up and give it a nice old bow before we go on this morning. You have the ability to hope. You can have a confident expectation of good things to come in spite of what you see, what you feel, what you hear. Come on. In this world, you're going to hear lots more and more coming up. People are going to be like, ah, it's going to crash. It's all going to burn. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand strong. And no matter what happens out there, I'm still founded in God. Amen? So we're talking about the believer's authority. So why don't you find your way over to Mark chapter 3 this morning. You guys are doing some great listening this morning. You're doing so well. I was listening to uh, my dean. He was dean my first year of school. I was listening to him preaching in Greece yesterday. And he got up and he's, he was preaching on uh, uh, ministerial ethics. And he's like, well, this course normally takes between 12 and 20 hours and he said uh, 12 if you're good listeners 20 if you're not because then I'm going to have to repeat a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> but you guys are great listeners this morning so we're, we should be wrapped up in great time this morning hallelujah did you find your way to Mark chapter 3 so we've been talking about uh, Jesus said all power has been given unto me therefore you go he said I give you the keys of the, uh, uh, and whatever you bind in heaven uh, on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And here in Mark chapter 3, we find another situation where Jesus reiterates the authority that he's given to us. And here it's with the calling of his disciples. In Mark chapter 13, he says, And he went up on the mountain, and he called to him those who he himself wanted, and they came to him. And so this is Jesus. He's, got, he's amassed quite a following at this point. And he's now going to add some structure into those who follow him. And so he appoints the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them to preach. And so this is the 12. But we also know beyond that, there was the inner circle of the three, Peter, James, and John. Beyond the 12, there was the 70. Beyond the 70, there was the 120. Beyond the 120, there was the 500. And then there was the masses. Jesus had different levels of, of leadership within his own following. And in the end, a lot of them ended up going away. And at the cross, he was left just with John. But he appointed them that they might be with him. And he sent them out to preach. And in verse 15, and to have power. This is that word, exousia. It's authority. It's delegated power. It's his power being used by them. And this is the power that he's given to you. He said, 
I've got all the power, all the azusia, therefore you go. The other type of power from the New Testament is the dunamis power. He said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have dunamis power. Dunamis and exousia work together. They are what enables you to overcome in this life. Not by your strength, not by your ability, but your ability to agree and believe and act with him. It's not based on your strength. And so he said, I give you that power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then, verse 16, we get a glimpse into his disciples that he's picked. And he starts with the big one. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. So what do we see right after he says, go out and preach, I'm giving you authority to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. He goes and he shifts Peter's perspective of himself. You know, Simon's not a bad name. In the, in the Hebrew that this word comes from, it means heard. Simon's name means heard. But Jesus didn't need someone who wanted to be heard. He needed Peter. He needed someone who would be a rock. Now, this is when he called him that. There was a process that Peter was working out. We have Peter, when Jesus says, you're not going to die. You're not going to Jerusalem to die. And Jesus has to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He's in the midst of the process. Then we have Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And what does he do? He goes and denies him three times. And Jesus has those three points of restoration for him. Simon, do you love Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, yes, I do. Feed my little lambs. But what happened on the day of Pentecost? They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all flood out into the streets of Jerusalem. And who stands up in the midst of the crowd? Peter. Jesus was working the process for what he would need. He needed a rock. Someone whom they could rely on once he was gone. They already had the Holy Spirit. He's very reliable. He's very much a rock that you can depend on. But naturally, he needed someone who would stand up and lead the disciples, so he needed a rock. Yeah. And so he changed it from someone who needed to be heard. And that's definitely Peter. He liked to talk. He made rash statements. But God turned him from someone who needed to hear his own voice to a rock that could be relied on. Not even just him. It says in verse 17, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bo Boanerges, who, that is, the sons of thunder. He took James and John, and he gave them the nickname, the sons of thunder, and they very much were. They, they came to Jesus and said, oh, we want, we want to be in a place of power, Jesus. Can we sit at your left hand and your right hand? And he's like, you guys don't know what you're asking. He didn't want them to sit at his left hand and his right hand. He wants them to sit with him in heavenly places, just like you. Come on, you've been raised up and made to sit together with him. And so he changes their perspective of himself, and he calls them the sons of thunder. And sometimes God's going to work with you to change your perspective about yourself, to change how you view yourself and what your mission in life is and what you think needs to be done. He will help you through the process so that instead it's like, God, my way's just not working. And he's like, great, now let's try mine. And so he changes their perspective. Come on. Yes. We're ta we've talked about hope for the last five weeks so far. Hope. He changed how they saw themselves. 
And then he had Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. So they all got into this house. And the next verse is interesting. It says, Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. So let's picture this. They come into the house, and everybody starts flooding in, so tight, so packed in. It's like, I can't even get my hand up to stick some food in my mouth. You know, it's just so crammed in there. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus and talk to Jesus. And so it's so crowded, and it says in verse 21, But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Now, you could think of this as like, is his disciples pulling? No, when it says his own people, it's his family. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, and they said, he's out of his mind. Why did they think he was out of his mind? Because he said, hey guys, I'm giving you all power. I'm giving you authority so that you can go ahead and heal the sick. You can go ahead and cast out demons. He's talking crazy people talk. And trust me, when you talk about the believer's authority, people are going to think you're a little nuts. I've had there. I've been there. Come on. When, when uh, Pastor Robin said he was starting this church, um, a few of my friends, they, they were like, so why are you guys starting a church? Why can't you just come to our church? And I, I said to them, I said, because we, we need a church where people know that God loves them. Yeah. Well, we know God loves us. No. <laughs> yes. You, yeah. Kind of. They, uh, we need a church where people can come and be ministered to with healing. Well, 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 we believe in healing. And I said, yeah, but nobody ever gets healed at your church. <laughs> and he said, and we, we, we want a church where the power of God is in manifest. He says, ah. and my one friend specifically said this. He said, well, I, I think you sound a little crazy. <laughs> I said, well, let it be so then, you know. I'd rather be considered crazy and stand in the things of God. And so that's the situation Jesus has found himself right here in this moment. He's told his disciples, guys, here's power. And everybody's like, this guy's nuts. And it says, when the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he, he has Beelzebub. He's got the devil. And it says, by the ruler of demons, he's casting out demons. And so he called him, them to himself and he said to them, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. And so Jesus is saying, this is not about what the devil's doing. This is not the devil just parting the way so I can look good. He's saying, this is the power of God. And he gives them this wisdom in verse 27. He says, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Now, if that works for the kingdom of Satan, it also, the same principle works in both directions, and it tells us the plan. The enemy wants you bound so that he can have your things so that he can usurp your power. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, guys, they're going to try and keep you under. They're going to try and keep you down. They're going to want you to think small, think powerless, think weak, because when you're weak and when you won't respond, then he can do whatever he wants with you. 
No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Guess what? You are the strong man. He has endued you with power from on high. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the schemes of the devil. You are the strong man now. And the enemy wants you weak. He wants you thinking powerless. He wants you thinking defeated. He wants you to think that that problem that just showed up is one that's going to take you out. And as long as you believe that, he doesn't have to do anything to you. But on the other side of it is, if you want to walk in the power of God, you've got to agree with what God has said about you. If he said that you can do it, then what do you say? Amos said, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Meaning God can say whatever he wants about you, but unless you believe and agree with him, nothing happens. And as we already quoted Matthew 18, 18, it says, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done by, for them by my Father in heaven. And so the backbone of the authority message is agreeing with God and learning to stand up to problems, coming into agreement. What did God say? Go ahead and say it with him. What God, did God say you are? Go ahead and believe that's what you are. But I don't feel like, I didn't ask you what your feelings were. I said, what did God say? Sometimes your feelings will be great, and they will line up. Sometimes they won't, and that's why we don't go by feelings. That doesn't mean I can't worship him with my feelings as well. I can worship him in spirit. I can worship him in truth. I, I can praise him out of my natural abilities, but I don't trust them. I trust the word above all else. And so the backbone of authority is agreeing with God. What did he say? If he said whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, then go ahead and start loosening the right things. Go ahead and align your voice with his word. But here's something. You ready? You will never be free from something that you tolerate or glorify. I think we should tell some stories this morning. You know, uh, we were at a, in a meeting with a friend of ours, Jim. We were in Peterborough. And uh, a person came up, and I can't remember what the disease they had was. And they were like, I need, I need prayer for this. And he's like, yeah, sure. And he, he talked with them, and he got them in, in agreement and believing with him. And that person was healed of that disease. Like, visibly, it changed. And then the person turned around and did this. And started limping back to their place. He's like, and he didn't see them come up. And he's like, whoa, 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 what, what's, 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 what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's just my knee. It, it always hurts. It's like, what? you just got healed of this disease. Do you want that? And the lady said to him, no, I've gotten used to it. And went back to her seat. Now, I'd like to say that that was a one-time thing. I've seen that happen with Jim several times where the person came up with a big thing and then tolerated the little thing. 
don't tolerate anything that's not from God. If he said that you can stand in the fullness of what he's called you to, go ahead and go all the way. And so oftentimes, we get used to things. Don't get used to the things that aren't for you. Go on, let's tell off on myself, because it's easier to make fun of me than other people, right? Uh, I, I told you guys, it's almost a year ago now, it was back in July, that uh, my shoulder, in late 2020, I believe it was September or October, not that, there was no accident, there was, there was no, I don't remember an event happening, I just, there's this pinch in my shoulder began to develop, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse, and so much so that I basically lost all strength in this right arm. And it was really annoying because I couldn't work out the way that I wanted to. And Annie, come here. I'll use you because my kids aren't up here. Grab my hand, hold on tight, both hands. Hold them, there you go, like that. <laughs> my kids love for me to do that. And it's the side that I always did. Thank you, Annie. And it got to the point that I couldn't even do this. I couldn't lift them up. I can do you now. <laughs> I might be pushing it. <laughs> um, and it got to the point that I couldn't do that anymore. And so they'd be like, oh, lift me up, lift me up. And I'd be like, oh, I can't. I can't. And I was going to the doctor. I was going to my chiropractor. And he's like, I, I don't feel anything. There's nothing wrong. Everything's where it's supposed to be. The muscle feels fine. And, you know, he, I was constantly, like, multiple times a day going through all these stretches. And after nine months, nothing was better and it was just getting more and more annoying. And at the end of the nine months, I finally got frustrated enough. And I said, God, why? I believe in healing. I've been doing what I know to do in the natural, and I believe you. And he said, yes, but you keep on tolerating it. And so I took that moment and I said, right now, shoulder, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you, and I command you to be well in Jesus' name. It's done. Now, in that moment, did I feel anything? No. Didn't feel anything. Didn't notice any difference. I didn't get my strength back in that moment. But you know what shifted? I spoke to it. I didn't pray for it. I spoke to it. And here's where we go wrong a lot of the times when we're talking about healing. God never said pray for the sick. He said to lay hands on the sick. And the only time he did say that was in, if you look at the, he said, if anybody's sick, let them come and the elders of this, uh, the church will pray for them and the prayer of faith will raise them up. What's the prayer of faith? Faith speaks to the mountain and commands it to go. It doesn't pray to the mountain, it speaks to the mountain and tells it to go. And that's where we get a lot wrong in, in, in healing. We're like, oh God, please, I need healing. I, I need this in my body. No, speak to it. He already said you're healed. He said by his stripes you were healed, past tense. We speak to the mountain and we command it to go. And so I spoke to it. You know what you need to do after that? You don't need to keep speaking to it. Go ahead and thank him. I thank you, Lord, that just as I had spoken, it's been done. He says with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. The book of Mark says that if any man speaks to the mountain, it shall be done. It says, so therefore, whatsoever things you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. When do you receive them? 
when we pray. So what do you do after that? You count it like it's done. And so what I did, I just started working out again. And the first time I got onto the bar, I went... <laughs> so you know what I did? I re-racked it, and I went again. And I <laughs> flattened myself again. And I kept going. And I kept going. And it only took a few days. After nine months, it kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until I got back to that point where I could go with the kids again. Now, in the last 12 months, I have to let you know, there's been about a dozen times where I felt that pinch starting to come again. And this is where a lot of Christians go wrong. They start to think, oh no, maybe I'm not healed. Oh no, maybe it's coming back. No, no it's not. It's not welcome. But you know what? The enemy will come and see what you'll tolerate. What you'll put up with. You know, during the, the late 40s and the 50s, there was across North America, there's what people call the healing revival. And there was just so many different ministers that, that God was raising up and just crazy miracles all the time. They said it was like the easiest thing to get people healed. But Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin began to, to do some research into the people that were coming to their meetings. And it was Oral in particular, he sent out um, um, letters to people who had said that they were healed in his meetings. And several months down the road, he asked, are you still healed? And the interesting thing that he found was that a large percentage of the Christians who said they were healed in the meeting were no longer healed. But the majority of the unbelievers, or who were unbelievers at the time, were still healed. That tells me that in the body of Christ, we had an issue, and I think we still have that same issue, that we're not willing to stand when we're not with everyone else. In the meeting, there were miracles. But when they went off on themselves, they didn't know to stand up and say, no, I don't accept that back. And obviously, I can still lift Annie, but there was many times in this last year where I had opportunity to go the other direction. What will you tolerate? Come on. We're talking about the believer's authority. We should, we should talk about stories of authority being exercised. You know, we had a situation uh, shortly after the church. We started the church years and years ago. I shouldn't say we because at the point I was just a kid. And I wasn't working for the church, but Pastor Robin was up building, up preaching. It was in our first building that we were in. It's a very small building, only just a few rooms, and you know you could hear everything that was going on in all the rooms. And he was up preaching, and this this lady came up the the aisle, and she she came up and she's like, "Oh, I just want to hold you." And he said, "No, you sit down right now." And her eyes flipped, and she dropped down the on the uh, down on the aisle and slithered up the aisle possessed of the devil and so pastor wendy took her into took into the back and said i command you to in the name of jesus to come out and the demon spoke back to her and said oh jesus we love jesus and so in that situation yeah jesus has the authority and the dominion but you can't cast the devil out of somebody who wants it you know brother Hagen had the same issue he was with a lady and she began to manifest and she said come out in the name of Jesus, and the demon spoke back, you can't kick me out, she wants me here. And he said, oh yeah, well, let me talk to her. And so 
the demon stepped aside and the, she spoke and he said whenever you're done with this when you're tired you come and see me and we'll get rid of him but until that point she didn't want to and that was the situation with this girl she loved the attention that she was getting and so pastor wendy had her in the back room and was speaking no and you know what why she was so comfortable because everybody would cater to her her stepmom was in there like oh get her up off the ground it's too cold down there oh no no she she's not possessed uh your daughter just slithered up the aisle yeah yeah she is people don't go we love jesus they say i love jesus you know i had a situation uh shortly after i moved back to smith falls I was coming up uh, Main Street. I was heading towards the Royal Bank, and I had to park about a, blank, a block or two down by the Royal Bank, or by the B Bank of Montreal, walking up towards the Royal Bank. And as I was crossing William Street towards the Royal, there was an old lady walking towards me, and I didn't think anything. And all of a sudden, she just turned to me and spoke in a deep man's voice and said, you can try to defy us, but we will defeat you. And immediately, right out of my heart, I said, you can't defeat me. You're already defeated yourself. And you know what the demon did? And started to go. And she said, we'll have you arrested. And took off. Old lady, I'm telling you, she looked like she was in her late 70s. See them run? <laughs> Running down the street. Like, come on. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. You need to know what that word flee means. Run from as in terror. Yes. They know the authority that you have. Come on, and so there's authority that you have over your things and your body and your family and your household, but there's also authority that you have over all the power of the enemy. He said, I give you power. I give you authority over all the works of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so you don't have to put up with it. And if somebody else wants to put up with it, that's their business. But you speak in the name of Jesus, and you let things change. How about one more story as we're wrapping up here? It was probably about five, six years ago now. We had a, a person that was attending the church at the time, and uh, I get a call. You know, they're, they're in a coma. They're very sick. They're, they're under. They don't look like they're going to uh, make it. And so I went up to the hospital, got, it, got into the ICU with them, and I was talking with their partner at the time. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And they said, well... There's a severe infection on the lung, and they look, uh, there was something else. I can't remember what it is right now. Um, and they're like, they don't think they'll ever wake up. And I said, okay. And she was just a fresh Christian, didn't know a whole lot. And I said, well, we can agree. And this is, and I told her what, we, what we'd agree, that that infection completely goes, and that they come out of this coma, even though the doctors are saying that they never will, and that you get to see them again. And so I, I prayed, and we spoke, and... Uh, I, that was the last I had see, seen of them. Couldn't get a hold of them. Uh, other family had come into town. And, uh, and I was like, well, this is kind of like, no, what's going on, God? You know, weird. And then the next thing I hear, oh, they're dead. I'm like, God, that's not right. We believed. We spoke. We said these things. And I was very grieved in my heart, and I was mad at God, I'll be honest. I was mad at God. And it was, we went through, we did the, did the funeral with the family. It was a nice family and everything like that. And it was probably about a month later, the son showed up while I was doing some work out back here, wanted to go, is there anything that, from the church or anything like that that we can collect that was my father's or anything like that? Uh, any paperwork we need? And I was like, yeah. I was like, so, I'm like, so what, what happened? 
you know, I, nobody would return my calls and everything like that. What, what happened? And he said, well, it was really interesting. The infection went away. And he, he woke up and he talked with us. And I was like, God, that's exactly what we asked for it to happen. But then in the end, he ended up catching pneumonia and he, di he didn't, didn't want to fight after that and decided to go. And I was like, my God, you should have called me. Like, because we got exactly what we believed for, but we didn't know we needed to believe a little bit further. Come on. You know, you, you gotta, like, if you're going through, make sure that you want your, your church involved, you know, because they'll only let us go as far as you want them to go. You know, and so in that situation, it's like, man, he didn't have to die. He didn't have to die. Because you can agree and believe, and it shall be done for you. You will never be free of something that you tolerate, though, or you glorify. So don't tolerate any of the works of the enemy. You've got authority over them. As the Bible says that he, he's given us power. He's given us authority. So brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Father, we just thank you for the authority that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we don't have to put up with what the enemy brings our way, that we get to walk into victory. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that shall come our way that we cannot overcome when we work with you, we believe with you, we hope again, and we believe again. I thank you, Father, that we're going to let patience have its perfect work, that it will work through the process, and that we will be complete and lacking nothing. I thank you, Father, that in this time, you are stretching hearts. And you are bringing new perspectives. You're bringing new opportunities saying, oh, okay, there's more. I can go further in you. Father, I thank you, Lord. We just bless everyone that's watching right now via the internet. We go ahead and say, you can have more right now in the name of Jesus. There's more for you. If you're in this place, there is more for you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to grow you. He wants you to stand in your authority. And you don't have to put up with what the enemy brings your way. You were designed for victory. It's your nature. It's easy to believe. It's so easy to believe you, Lord. It's so easy to trust in you in every season. So easy to believe. Yes, yeah, so we make that shift in our thinking. It's not hard, it's so easy, it's easy to hope again, it's easy to believe, because your grace is free, it's so easy to love you, Lord, yeah, and be loved by you. Let's just lift up our hands. It's so easy to love you, Lord, and be loved by you. So easy, so easy, so easy. It's so easy to walk away from all that's tried to hold you, yes, because there's freedom in the name, 
that's a word. So easy. It's not hard. So easy. Yes, just let that settle into your heart. It's easy, easy to walk in all that God has called us to. It's not hard. It's not a work. It's just a lifestyle with you, Lord. We flow freely in you, Lord, and in your rhythms of grace. So easy to love you, Lord. So easy, so easy, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so easy. peace in here this morning. We thank you for your presence that does work on the inside of us that we couldn't do on our own. That you are our great physician, Jesus. You heal every hurt. You bind every wound. You restore our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Thank you, Lord. You bring us to a place of balance, a place of strength. Oh, Jesus. So easy. So easy, so easy. Well, in just a moment, our Word Care team is going to be right up here, and it is so easy just to believe together. It's so easy to receive whatever you need. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit with the infilling of, and speaking in other tongues, you can do that. If you need healing in your body, if you need breakthrough in your finances, whatever it is, agree. Agree this morning together with them. Take that opportunity. It's just so easy to love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we could just stay in this moment. Hallelujah. So easy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So easy. So easy. We're not going to close the service because the service goes with you. You get to take this peace and let it infect those that you come in contact with. You get to take this presence with you and then be like, what, what's going on with that? Take it with you. Bless others with it. If you want to give today, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give or there's envelopes in the front and basket at the back. Guys, it's a long weekend. Let it be long with God. Hallelujah. You're blessed. Have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and some good conversation.